You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Tonight's topic builds on last week's topic. Last week we spoke about the mida, the attribute of emet, truth. This week we talk about the ultimate, ultimate truth, which is emuna. Emuna. What is emuna? What is the definition of the word emuna? So it's interesting if you look in the Torah, and this is one thing that our sages tell us. This is a very fundamental principle. Whenever you want to know what a word means in the Torah, look at its first usage in the Torah, and you will know the roots of that word. So if you look for the word emuna, which means faith or knowledge, we'll see. We'll define that shortly. It's used multiple times. So let's let's think of a few a few of the times that the word emuna is used. One is uman. Umans means a skilled laborer. A tailor is an uman. You have a carpenter who's an uman. So that's that's the the word uman. We'll see how that fits with emuna. You have the word omen. Omen not amen, which we say in synagogue after a ble- or after any blessing, but omen is the word that's used for Mordechai who raised Esther. He was omen et hadasa. He raised hadasa, which is Esther. We also say the word amen, like we just said, after someone recites a blessing. When you're in synagogue and someone recites a blessing, we say amen. And we see that Moshe raised his hands against the Amalekites, and it says, "Vayhi adav emuna ad bahashemesh." He raised his hand, emuna. We'll find out what that means. He raised his hand with emuna till the sunset, and that was the battle with Amalek. So, what does emuna mean? The word emuna, we know casually we translate the word emuna as faith. But let's understand what the common denominator of all of these different usages is so that we can clearly determine what emuna is supposed to be. So if you think of what is a skilled laborer, you know, if someone is dabbling in tailoring, if someone's just dabbling a bit, so sometimes they'll get the suit right and sometimes they'll get the suit wrong. But if someone is a skilled laborer, if he's an uman, he always gets it perfect. If someone is a skilled laborer in any profession, they get it right. That's why they're skilled. They're trained. They're experienced. They've got it down to a science. It's consistent. It's steady. It's absolute. Now let's take the next usage, which was raising a child. We all know that children need stability. Children need consistency. Children need structure. All of these are the tools for parenting. Also the word omen is to raise or to rear a child. We see the word amen also means I confirm that God created this tree 
that you took the fruit from. I confirm that God created this earth that this vegetable came from. I confirm meaning there is the same thread that you see through all of this. Is that emunah really means firm, solid, unwavering, unyielding, faithful, absolute steadiness. That's what emunah means. So now let's try to apply this for a second to our own lives. You see, we have this idea that we've adopted from other religions, that you have to take some leap of faith. That's not a Jewish concept. We don't have a commandment in the Torah that tells us to have faith. Rather, we have a commandment in the Torah to know Hashem. To have concrete, firm knowledge of Hashem. V'yadata hayom v'ashivota elovavecha ki Hashem hu ha'elokim. V'yadata hayom, and you'll know today. Know. What's knowledge? What's knowledge? I'll give you an example of what faith is or belief. I believe it might rain. It's a yes or a no. It may or may not. I believe it may. I believe my child is playing in the playroom. He may not be. I don't know. That's what belief is. Belief is when we don't have firm knowledge of something. But I know there are certain things that we have absolute knowledge of. Very different. The commandment is not to believe in God. Well, I believe, meaning I'm not sure, but it's possible. I think so. Or having concrete, firm knowledge, it's unwavering. It's like, you know that it's day right now. I know that it's day right now. And nothing in the world can change that firm knowledge that I have of it being daylight right now. However, in our belief in God, we cannot have any shakiness to that knowledge. It has to be firm. It has to be consistent. It has to be steadfast. So now comes the big question, how do we attain that? How do we attain a firm, unquestionable knowledge of God? Okay, we are obligated in the Torah to acknowledge Hashem's existence and His involvement in the world. We're obligated to acknowledge Hashem's existence and His involvement in the world, meaning that Hashem didn't only create the world, but that he's involved at this very moment. He's involved in each and every one of our lives and in the involvement with every single object in creation. Each one of the planets, each one of the continents, each one of the countries, each one of the cities and states, and each one of the individuals in their personal lives. You know, one of my favorite pieces of Talmud, which seemingly makes no sense. It seems like it makes no sense. That is, what is God at the beginning of Tractate Sota, page 2a, which is right in the beginning, it says, what is God busy doing all day? What is God busy right now? What's he doing? Is he reading the New York Times, Washington Post? What is he reading? What is he doing right now? You know what it says? God is busy making matches between a man and a woman He's bringing them together. It's a very 
interesting thing that of all things that God's involved with, that's what he's busy doing right now. So it makes perfect sense because if there's ever a time that you need absolute perfect divine providence, you need divine inspiration at that moment, it's the time, it's the moment that a husband and wife, a man and a woman meet. Because everything that led from his being born till that moment, everything that led from her being born till that moment leads to that perfect point where the two of them meet. I was once at a, at a wedding of a girl who grew up in the former Soviet Union. And he was from South America. So think about the world that God needed to turn and to coincide so that these two individuals from completely different parts of the world will come together and have a beautiful family together. You understand? So God is not just, oh, here's a guy, here's a girl. I think they'll be a good match. No, it's all of the worlds that need to happen in order to bring these two special individuals together. Because, as our sages tell us, a husband and a wife are two halves of one soul. They're two halves of one soul. So I need to get this half of the soul, that half of the soul, bring them together. That's a lot that keeps God busy. He has to get this job. She has to get this accepted to this school. They have to go to it. They have to meet a certain friend. All of the coincidences that happen, all of the happenstance that doesn't exist, obviously, all what God bakes in to this world so that we have the man and woman, the couple getting together. So, faith or knowledge? Is it faith? Or is it knowledge? Our sages tell us, and the Torah teaches us, we need to have knowledge. And the world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem. Knowledge is uniquely different than faith. I'm afraid I'm going to forget this idea, so I want to share it with you now. One of the tools, and if you if you learn only one thing from today's class, remember this piece. It's a verse in Psalms. To say God's praises of God's kindness in the morning, and you'll have faith in the evening. What does that mean? What does that mean? We all have times where we see God's kindness. We have times where we're like, wow, Hashem, thank you. I love you. You're awesome. Don't keep that quiet. Don't keep that quiet. When you have miracles that you see, when you see Hashem's kindness, when you recognize, when you take a smell of that coffee and you're like, ah, Hashem, thank you, Hashem. Don't just keep it to yourself. Lahagit, speak it out. You know why? Because there's going to come a time that it's going to be darkness, where you're not going to have that clarity, where you're not going to have that ability to see Hashem in everything that you do. Oh, well, if you put into your savings account all of those kindness that Hashem bestows upon you, then when the darkness comes and there's doubt and there's uncertainty, you just pull from your savings. You're like, God's got me covered. It, it's almost identical to a different beautiful idea 
you know, Moshe speaks to God. And Moshe says, God, I want to see your glory. God says, "Uh uh-uh, you can't see my face. You can only see the back. You can only see the back. So Moshe, what's really going on over here? I mean, ask yourself that question. It's like, this is the most ridiculous conversation ever. Because God doesn't have a face. He doesn't have a front like he doesn't have a back. So what in the world is going on in this conversation where Moshe says, I want to see your glory. God says, no, no, no. You can't see my face. You can only see my back. God doesn't have a back. God doesn't blow his nose and doesn't get cold and doesn't catch COVID. So what's going on over here? Moses is saying, I want to see your face. And God says, no, no, no. Only my back. So listen how beautiful. Look how beautiful our sages tell us. You know what this really means? Moshe is asking, he says, God, I want to understand how your world works. I want to understand how the world works. Show me the future and let me understand it. Face is future. The back of our head is the past. Moshe is saying, show me the future. I want to understand how things work in your world, God. Show me so I can understand. God says, you'll never understand the future. but." If you look back, if you look back, look at the years of your life, you'll see that I was there every single minute of every single day. And every single day of every week. And every single week of every month. And every single month of every year. I was there with you. And every time you doubt it, oh, what's going to be now? Oh my goodness, I just lost my job. What's going to be? What's going to be? Relax. What happened in the past? Hashem was always there. He always took care of you. He never dropped the ball. He was always on mark. Always think back at your life. Tell me a time that God screwed up in your life. No, never. Never. Anytime? No. At the moment, you're like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? What's going to be? And we get nervous because we have a little problem. And that's what we're going to address next. We have a little problem. That little problem is called arrogance. And the arrogance is that I like to be in control of I. I like to be in control of me. I like to be in control of my future, my destiny. And if I don't understand how that destiny is playing out, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, my whole world is falling apart. What's going to be? Because I don't see past now. I'll share with you a story. I've said this in the past. When I talk about Emunah, this is the story that comes to my mind. I have a friend of mine who worked for a company for 28 years. He told me that the company, uh, the company name is goes through his veins. That's how much he lives and breathes the company. This is his life, he told me. He calls me up one day and tells me, Rabbi, today is the worst day in my life. I'm like, what happened? He says, my boss, who's regional director, and I have been fighting for a long time because he's an evangelical Christian and he always says that I should convert and he always says that he's praying for me and finally, I told him off and I'm now without a job. He said, I'm Jewish and stop bothering me yeah, but he's your manager and he's your boss. And okay, okay. So I said to him, What do you want? 
He says, all I want is to keep my job. I live, breathe, sweat, and cry and bleed this company. This is my life. I want to stay with the company. So I said, now is a great time. And he was crying. He was really crying, sobbing. I said, you know that the greatest power of prayer is when one cries. Because it says that the gates of tears are never closed. I said, if this is what you want, right now is the time to pray. I said, get off the phone and pray for exactly what you asked for. You want to stay with the company and you want to work for a different region. But you don't want to lose your job. That wasn't an issue. He can get his, his, his pension. It's not an issue of poverty. It's not an issue of livelihood. It was an issue of that he just loved what he did. It was so much the essence of who he was. I said, just pray for that. And here's a number for a lawyer that you can call an employment lawyer. A nice Jewish guy. So we get off the phone. He calls the lawyer. And the lawyer very quickly works on a settlement of $25 million. Listen to this, okay? $25 million settlement because it was discrimination. It was a whole thing, you know, whatever. And he turned it down. He turned down the settlement. And he got the only exception the company has ever made in its over 100 years of this company's existence, where he is in Houston and he works for a different chapter. First time ever. So a few weeks after, this whole story was a couple of months. A few weeks after, I called him up and I said, hey, how are you? I said, you remember you called me sobbing? You Remember you called me, told me that this is the end of your life and this is the most terrible thing in the world? He said, that's right, I remember. I said, you remember what you were asking for? Do you remember that I told you to say that prayer? Yes, I remember, and I made that prayer. He says, and I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Anything and everything I could ever have dreamt for was that. And I'm the happiest person. He keeps on telling me this every time we talk. He says, it's the ha- I'm the happiest person I've ever... He says, every day I'd go into work, I'd suffer because I'd have to see my boss telling me I should convert and telling me I should... <laughs> every day he had to deal with the suffering and for 28 years he took it. But we sometimes get stuck. We get stuck and we think that if I don't understand it, it must be terrible. If it doesn't fit my understanding of how things should play out, then we get into a conflict. And it gives us, it's a very difficult thing for us to believe in a God. Again, believe me, knowledge, when we feel like we need to know everything, like we need to have control of everything. It's the first thing. Every day you have good things going your way. Praise Hashem and praise Hashem and praise Hashem. Write it down, write it down. I'll give you another example. In the morning, every morning after we recite the Shema, we say a special paragraph singing God's praises. We say, V'yatsiv, and it's firm. V'nachon, and it's correct. Meaning Hashem. V'kayam, V'yashar, V'namon, V'ov. We sing all these phenomenal praises of God. But in the evening after we recite the Shema, in our prayers, 
We don't say those same praises. We say something else. And with the faith that we have in everything that we do. Our sages tell us an amazing thing. The reason in the morning we say and firm and solid is because it's daylight. And when there's day outside and there's light outside, everything is clear. It's everything is going well. Everything, we have clarity. But then there are times when it's night and we don't have clarity. In those times, emunah. That's where we have to pull the reserves. That's where we have to pull the reserves. You know, it's an interesting thing. In the portion of Lech Lecha, we see Abraham has a fight with the four kings. What does he do? He takes earth. He throws it at the four kings. The earth turns into swords and kill it, arrows and kills them. You know who saw that? The Sodomites saw that. After the portion of Lech Lecha is Vayera. What happens in the portion of Vayera? The sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. The people of Sodom, they saw the miracles. And yet, it had no effect on them. It had zero effect on them. So our sages tell us, you can see miracles and not budge. You can see miracles and not budge one iota. Nothing changes in your life. Nothing. Why? Because you need to bring your mind into your heart. It's not enough to have knowledge of God. We have to put it into action as well. That's why we say, you know today, and bring it into your heart. It's not enough to, yeah, I know that there's a God, but do I really know it in my actions or do I just know it in my knowledge? It's a very different thing knowing and doing. Our go-to example with our go-to example, dieting. Dieting is our go-to example. How many times do we know there are certain foods that are not good for our diet? And yet, our action doesn't necessarily follow. That's because it's not enough to have it up here. We have to have it in our actions. The heart is the, is the seat of our actions. And we need to put it into our heart. So we have to know something. Emuna, that knowledge okay, of Hashem. You see, wisdom has limits. Wisdom has limits. Emuna has no limits. There's no limits to Emuna. Because every day is a workshop in Emuna. Every single moment of our lives, we can advance our Emuna. We can elevate our Emuna. With the experiences that we have, with the challenges that we overcome and that we face, So we have to establish a few things. Number one, I'll just share with you a quick story and then we'll get into this, okay? There was a great Hasidic master who was in the hospital back in in Lithuania. And when he was leaving the hospital, he asked the doctor, is there any remedy that doctors are 100% certain of? Is there anything that doctors are 100% certain of? Now, I, it's one, actually one of my favorite questions that I ask doctors is, 
Like, what do you really know? I have, have an eye doctor who was a friend of mine. I said to him, he was looking at my eye. I said, okay, can you just be honest with me for a second? Like, let's forget that you're the doctor here and I'm the patient, okay? Like, what do you really know about the eye? He's like, absolutely nothing. A- absolutely nothing. And he was honest. You ask people, like, it's like, what do you really know about it? We don't even know a percent of of what's we, we know from enough trial and error that certain actions have reactions, but we have no idea why. We know that we tried on enough people in India, uh, Tylenol. We know that it, it it takes away some aches and pains, but we don't understand why it has this reaction. And the fact and the proof to this, by the way, I'm sorry if there are any doctors, don't be insulted, please. I'll tell you the proof to it. Side effects. If you look at any medicine today, any single medicine, oh, just caution, side effects could include suicide, depression, whatever, and it goes through a whole list of things. Well, if we really understood, we can eliminate those 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 elements. But we don't. It's a shot in the dark. It's a shot in the dark that works 90% of the time, so it's good enough. But that other 10% could be catastrophic. So that he asked... The doctors in this Lithuanian hospital, is there any remedy that doctors are 100% certain of? And this is their answer. I think this is a very clever answer. They said, there's one thing where we are 100% certain about. That's the patient's optimism. If the patient is optimistic that he will get better and can be cured, his optimism and his cheerful thoughts are very conducive to his recovery. That we know 100%. And from that moment on, this Hasidic master always worked on being optimistic and positive so that it can heal anything. If someone sets in their mind to be optimistic and positive, it has a a power. And by the way, I heard this actually from a doctor in, uh, in MD Anderson. Sadly, Houston is home of the largest cancer treatment center in the world, uh, MD Anderson. Uh, the largest medical center in the world as well. And that's one of the things they say is that medicine can only do that much. But the frame of mind of the patient can do so much more. And they say see people who come in stage four, people, but their optimism is so strong it gets them out of it. They're able to fight through it all. And have complete remission. And there are people who are not so, not so, they're, they're beginning stages, but because they're so lacking that I would call emunah, right? Now, that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, God forbid, someone passes away from an illness that they are lacking emunah. God forbid, I'm not saying that. But having that optimism, having that knowledge that Hashem is there with me at every step of the way is the number one ingredient for health and success. There's, there, there are many stories uh, told about, about emunah and bitachon and to never worry. So, is it, you want to hear an amazing story of faith, of, no, uh, of knowledge of Hashem? Like real knowledge of Hashem? Listen to this story. So it was a few days before Pesach. We know before Pesach we're cleaning up our house. We're, we're getting rid of things. Right? Okay. So there was a teacher in a school in Israel, who was teaching his class and 
in the middle of the class, he had a thought, and he walks out of the classroom, makes a quick phone call, calls his wife, said, you were telling me you were cleaning the house for Pesach, and that you were going to throw away some of the old clothes that we had. Did you throw them away already? She says, yeah. He says, can you get it, can you get it out of the garbage? He says, the garbage truck came already. He said, okay, no problem. Don't worry about it. Goes back into the classroom. And with all the vibrancy and with all of the Yiddish word, gishmak, right? With all of the excitement and energy, he continues to teach. Principal sees him in the middle of between, uh, between the, uh, the periods. And he says to him, I saw you left class. You know, it's against one of the school rules for us to, uh, to leave the class alone and for you not to be there. He says it was a very big emergency. It's a very big emergency. <laughs> emergency? says, I happened to overhear your conversation. You asked your wife about whether or not she threw out the clothes. What's the big emergency about that? He says, you know, my daughter got engaged. And I took out a loan to pay for the wedding. And I'd forgotten that I put the money, the cash, in one of the old jackets in my closet. And I'd forgotten that it was in that jacket, and my wife took it and threw it out. And all that cash is in that suit. So the principal asks him, he says, I don't understand. I saw you go back into the classroom and teach like nothing happened. How can you teach when you lost all this money? He says, I am a student of one of the great rabbis. This rabbi taught us Hashem always does what's best for us. We may not understand. We don't understand why. We may not understand how. But the one thing we know is that it's always for the best. So I had nothing to worry about. I just continued teaching like nothing ever happened. Now you're probably wondering, oh, and now there's a good end to the story. No, there's no end to the story. That's the end of the story. The end is that we don't know what happened at the end. But that's the attitude that needs to happen. That we need to, that's the attitude that we need to carry our lives with. Hashem is in control. He's got it all under control. He knows where we put the money. He knows what's happening. And we have nothing to worry about. So, Hashem created the world. We believe that. Hashem created the world. So, well, well, I'm making an assumption that we believe that. How do we believe that? How do we believe that? So let, let, me, let me tell you the process that I used, me, myself, personally. When I was uh, about 17 or 18 years old, I started questioning everything for the sake of really learning and understanding. Because I grew up religious. I grew up in a, in a Torah-observant home. I grew up never questioning the observance of Shabbos. I grew up observant, never questioning uh, putting on tefillin every day or having a mezuzah on my door. I never questioned it. Never questioned it once. So when I was 17, 18, I started investigating. Like, am I just a robot? Like, why why do I do this? So let me share with you what the Chavetz Chaim guides everyone to do. The Chavetz Chaim writes, the first thing is to look into creation. Look into creation. 
Now, all living organisms. Take a single leaf from a, from a tree. Take it off the tree. Hold it up to the light. You see an entire world in it. You see all the veins. I'm sure it has a more sophisticated name than veins. You see how the water gets distributed from the roots to the trunk, all the way to the branches, into the leaf, and then into each part of that leaf. Brilliant. It's brilliant. You look at nature. Nature, there's no such thing as Mother Nature. There's Hashem. Hashem is the creator of heaven and earth. There's a beginning that Hashem at that moment decided the world shall be. So we look into creation. That's step number one. Look at an animal. Look at a little worm. See how it moves. A caterpillar. Look at every insect, every animal. And look at the human body. Look at the human body. Look at the brain. Look at the heart, the liver, the kidneys, the pancreas. I mean, you look at each organ of the human body. It's just remarkable. Everything works perfectly. Perfectly. And then we have something called homeostasis. Homeostasis is that if you have something that doesn't work properly, their body tries to compensate with something else to bring it back to an equal balanced. Okay? It's always there to ensure. How does this work? How does this work? Hashem created everything that exists. You know, when I got injured with my in my leg, I was talking to one of my sons. I said, you know, it's the most remarkable thing. You ever see a car get a scratch? A Lamborghini. Take your expensive Lamborghini. It gets a scratch. You come back two days later and the scratch is healed. Doesn't happen. But here we are. I injured my leg. And it's just a matter of time and it heals. Hashem created a mechanism through which the body heals itself. Oh, evolution. Just happened. No. No intelligent person. No intelligent person can go through life without bumping into this contradiction of a perfect world. A perfect world that God created. It just doesn't make any sense that it would be evolution. I'm talking about basic intelligence. It just doesn't make any sense otherwise. There has to be a creator. So, if Hashem created a perfect world, He created a world... You know, I'll I'll give you another example. It's one of my favorite examples I heard. Take a cup of ink and take that ink in the cup or in in a water bottle. Okay, black ink. My name has four letters. My Hebrew name, Aleph, Reish, Yud, Hey, Arya. Aleph, Reish, Yud, Hey. And I want to have, in font size, it should be big enough for everyone to see on this piece of paper. Okay? I'm going to splatter the ink on the page here. Okay? What is the likelihood, or how many times will it take for the ink to fall on this sheet? Times New Roman font, 64 size, bold, with the letter Aleph. All right, well, let's say it takes a trillion times. Keep on throwing it, keep on throwing it till it lands perfectly. Times new Roman font, 64 bold. Letter Aleph. And then 
what is the likelihood that following that letter perfectly, size 64, that right next to it, we have a rash by the throw of that splatter, the splatter of that ink, that it fall right next to it. It's, it's infinite, infinite attempts that'll never work. Okay, that's, that's just writing my letter, my four letters of my name in the same font. Happenstance. And you're telling me with a straight face that the world that is so sophisticated and that is so perfect just happened to be. Huh? Just trillions of years. It just happened to be. Impossible. And that the human body works with such perfection and that the world spins like a top. Spins. Keeps spinning. Everything, everything is working. Everything is operating. It's a living world. Just by happenstance. It just, evolution, it just evolved. It doesn't make any sense. The first thing we need to understand is that Hashem created the world. If we don't believe that Hashem created the world, we have other issues we need to talk about. We can talk about it off, off air. But that's the basic premise. When we talk about emunah, the knowledge of Hashem, he created the world. So if Hashem created the world, why did he create me? Why did he create you? Why did he create every one of these creations? He has his world. So sages teach us that God created the world for us. He didn't create the world so that he has a playground to play in. He created a world so that he can do good for us. The only reason God created the world is so that you be in this world. And each and every one of us be in this world. He created the world so that we be here. And that we have the most magnificent life. To do good with his creations. It's all about the relationship with Hashem at the end of the day. because. If God wants to shower us with that good, it's like Rabbi Brody was just here last week. He said, God doesn't come uninvited to dinner. You invite him, he'll come. So it's all about the relationship. If we don't ask God into our lives, he's not going to be in our lives. He's not coming in unwelcomed. We need to invite him in and talk to him and interact with him. That's what prayer is, by the way. Prayer is so powerful because it's the way in which we interact and communicate with the Almighty. So, if you look into an atom, you look into nature, into your body, into your life, into your the entire progress of your life. Everything that happened from the day you were born, the family, just to think of it, okay? The family, there are no two people that are alike. Correct? Anybody, everybody agree with that? The show of hands, right? Anybody here that's the same as someone else? No, because you were born at a different time. You were born to different parents. You were born in different set of circumstances with different talents, with different skills, different abilities, with different desires, with different emotions, with different politics, perhaps, right? We all are unique, different, and special. And as such, the relationship that we can each have with Hashem 
is uniquely different. The way in which one person can talk to God is very different than the way the other person, which is why now jealousy makes a lot of sense, why jealousy is really stupid. Because if I'm unique and I'm special, then why would I want what someone else has? But it's one of the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, God says, don't be jealous of what your friend has. You know why? Because I am Hashem, your God. I know what you need. I, You may desire something, but I know it's not good for you. Because if it was good for you, I would have given it to you. I'm here about, what is the Almighty? The Almighty is here about giving you what's good for you. Not what you think you want. About what's good for you. So we have to also know that there's something called Ratzon Hashem, which is the will of Hashem. Whatever happens in this world is the will of Hashem. You thought someone else should be president? Well, Hashem didn't. Oh, this, and you can argue something. Happens, you know what happens in this world? Exactly the will of Hashem. So now, what happens if someone took my, my parking spot? It says it's reserved. I don't have a reserved parking spot, just by the way. But if I were to have a parking spot, if someone parks in my spot, you know who parked in my spot? Not Joe Schmo who ran into the other business next door for a minute. Hashem parked in my parking spot. Take it easy. We have, I say that marriage is a workshop in character development. I say life now. Life is a workshop in Emunah. You'll always have things that don't go the way you expected it. It doesn't go the way you anticipated it. It doesn't go the way you dreamt it to be. It doesn't go the way you wanted it to be or you hoped for it to be or the way you planned for it to be. It goes the way Hashem wants it to be. I asked, you know, I've as an executive director of an organization uh, for now almost 18 years, I've seen this, I've seen this hundreds of times where there are things that need to happen, like payroll, other things that need to happen in an organization. You have employees, you have things that that are constantly going on. And you're like, what's going to be? How are we going to do it? How are we going to make it? It's like, and, and you start, you start getting all tense. You start until I learned my lesson in Emunah. Until I learned my lesson in Emunah, and from that day on, I never worried about it again. And sometimes it catches you off guard because Hashem keeps testing you to strengthen that muscle. You're like, oh, what's going to be? Hashem, you got this. I know you got this. You took care of it till now. You'll take care of it from now. You never let me down, not even once. I asked my fellow executive directors of other organizations, you know, you have, you, you run a, di- a dinner, or you run uh, other types of events. I said to them, do you ever feel this experience like, like I felt? Where you plan, you plan, you plan, and it comes a day before the event, and you realize you forgot you left something out. And you have all the checklists and you have all of the, you know, the backup on the backup on the backup. And suddenly, it all, oh my goodness, it's like a big black hole that everything fell into. 
And they're like, yeah, I have that every time. And I'm like, and then what happens? It works out even better than you expected. Every time. How do you explain that? We plan for months and months and months. And then Hashem says, hey, hey, you forgot that I'm here. You think you're in charge? I'm just going to remind you. I'm just going to remind you I'm here. Hello. Now it's out of your control. Say hello. I'm here. And that's the way we're tested regularly with our emunah. Where we think it has to go my way. We think it has to go this way. And only this way it's going to work. There's Ratzon Hashem. The will of Hashem. Every single detail is designed for you. And it's a test for you. Your unique life. Your unique circumstances. Nobody else on planet earth can ever understand them. The Gaon of Vilna writes that be cautious. Of course, there's a mitzvah in the Torah to reprimand someone who does something wrong. The Gaon of Vilna says we have to realize that take it to heart, but be cautious. Because the person who's giving you the reprimand or the criticism doesn't know you. Even if they know you, they don't know you, 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 deep inside who you are. They see you did something wrong. I'm going to correct it. Emuna overrides logic and intellect. It's where you're able to, to hold on to a whole nother level of Hashem. Where we're on this physical world where things one plus one equals two. No, not in Hashem's world. You know, there's this, there's, there's this uh, tale that's told of this company that's looking for an accountant. And they had a line, a big company. They were looking for a good accountant. And uh, the line was all around the, the, the building. You know, every accountant came in. What's the qualifications? Then they asked them a question. What's two plus two? Four. Next. The next guy came in, looked at his qualification. What's two plus two? Four. Next. Finally, they're almost done the whole, the whole group of, group of uh, interviewees. And there's an old Jewish guy there. So you say, look at his credentials. He's the impressive credentials. So what's two plus two? He says, well, what do you want it to be? <laughs> right? We're not talking about that kind. Right? <laughs> but Hashem's, in Hashem's world, two plus two equals whatever he wants it to be. How many times have people looked at business deals and they dotted every, every I and crossed every T and looked at every single risk Oh, this is a, this a, it's a winner. We got this. It's money in the bank. We're going to make this amount and this amount and that amount. And it's a guarantee. And it falls on its face. And there are times that people invest in things that don't make any sense whatsoever. Everybody tells them you're nuts. And it's extremely profitable. You know why? Because two plus two in God's world doesn't equal four. It equals whatever he wants it to be. So why do we work? Why do we toil? Our sages tell us because we need to create a vessel through which God can bring us that success. We need to create that vessel. That's why we go to work every day. You don't have to work. God will take care of you. If someone really believes 100% with perfect faith, knowledge of Hashem, and trust, you have nothing to worry about. Quit your job, you got it all taken care of. But it helps. To put forward an effort to create a vessel through which it comes. So 
The next part is that everything Hashem does is for our best. We have to realize that and really internalize this idea. Everything Hashem does is for our best. Even the things we think are the, oh, oh, that's the end of it all. It's so terrible. It's for our best. And then Hashem does whatever it takes to bring you closer to Him. Hashem wants us closer to Him. Sometimes God will send us to a distant place to just bring you back. Sometimes parents have to do that. Sometimes parents have to teach their children a safety measure. I'll give you an example. It's not a good example, but imagine you tell your child to be careful when they ride their bicycle. Be careful. Don't go too fast because you could fall. Yeah, they're just learning how to ride their bicycle and they're they're not skilled yet, but you tell them. But the kids don't always listen. So you could be there and try to be the helicopter parent that says, no, 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 you can't go fast, you're going to fall. Or you let them fall. And now, hopefully they don't get hurt too much, badly. But when they get up, they might be crying, but now they know to listen more carefully because they've made that mistake. And they know, and you as a parent sometimes have to let them fall so that they can, they can improve. Catching them and not letting them fall is a big problem. It's a big problem. I know people like that. I know people who are extremely dysfunctional because they have parents, sadly, who don't let them fail. So they never learned pain. Pain is very important. Pain is one of the most potent teachers, one of the most potent educators on planet Earth because pain is not pleasant. And nobody likes pain. So we learn to avoid that pain and to stay away from it because it's not pleasurable. Sometimes that pain is the best teacher. God is telling you, this wasn't a good idea, right? Okay, we're going to go the other way. You ever open up an iPhone or uh, it's much easier with a Walkman. You remember those Walkmans? You ever have one crash on the floor and you see the insides of it? Remember, do you know what a Walkman is even? You're too young for it to know what a Walkman is. You know what a Walkman? Yeah, yeah, with with the cassette inside. Yeah, all right. So the, the Walkman. You ever you ever, you open up a Walkman, or in your car you open up the hood of the car. We're not talking about a Tesla because you don't have a hood. You have a frunk. You open up the hood of the car and you're like, wow, this is a little busy over here. I think we should uh, make this a little bit less complicated. And you know what? This yellow wire. We don't really need this yellow wire. Let's just cut it off. That pipe is probably just extra. Let's just take it out. Now, what's going to happen? Something's not going to work. You know why? Because Mr. Chevy and Mr. GMC and Toyota don't put things in for hobby. They put it in because it's necessary. God doesn't put things in unless they're necessary. God puts you in this world because you're necessary. He puts you here because you're that yellow wire that something's not going to work without it. He wants you to produce something special in this world that nobody else can produce. There is nothing extra in God's world. Not an extra wire, not an extra tire, and not an extra human being. If it's there, 
there's a reason. So, Rabbi, you say that everything has a reason. So what's the reason for something that has no reason? Right? For example, the red heifer. The red heifer is a mitzvah given in the Torah. And King Solomon says, I, I feel like I'm, I'm nothing because I don't understand the wisdom of the red heifer. I wanted wisdom, King Solomon says, and it is so distant from me, the wisest of all men. It's like it's like I have I'm completely inept because I don't have the wisdom of the red heifer. So what's the purpose of having something that you don't know the reason for it? Exactly that. You know, as a parent, this is one of the things I t- I learned that is very very valuable. You don't need to give your children reasons for everything. I don't need to tell my child clean the table because a guest is coming or because you clean the table because I'm your daddy and I asked you to clean the table. I don't need to give you reasons for it. Hashem teaches us that. We don't only serve Hashem because we understand things. We serve Hashem because he told us to. The first of the ten, of the ten commandments is Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem your God. That took you out from Egypt, from the from the house of slavery. You don't think God could have taken us out of Egypt? Abracadabra could do. And boom, you're out. In one instant, the Jewish people are just out. No, a massive miracle. And the Jewish people just from all over the land of Egypt are just taken out, flown out to the desert or to the holy land of Israel. And that's it. You need, you need to bring the ten plagues, and you need to split the sea, and take them through the desert. And why? Why? You know why? So that now we know that it's not just what we call babamysis. You saw it with your own eyes. You saw God's mastery over all creation, whether it would be the blood, whether it be the lice, whether it be the frogs, whether it be the wild beasts, whether it be the firstborn, whether it be the light and the dark, every element of creation God has power over. That's why God did it. So that we don't just, oh, we just believe. No, 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 no. We have knowledge. And every time we talk about knowledge of Hashem, we talk about that took you out of Egypt. Why did God need to take us out of Egypt? So that we have something concrete. So we have something which is rock solid that we can always pull back. And say, ah, oh, yeah. And not only that, the Chafetz Chaim brings down over here a public revelation. A public revelation tells you everything you need to know. It's that it's verified. All 600,000 people, males, between the ages of 20 and 60, you multiply, there's 600,000, multiply that by the women, plus the children under the age of, you're talking about over 3 million people. 3 million people. And there's not a single contradiction to that story. Not only that, the Christians also agree that the Torah was given to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. The Muslims also agree that the Torah was given to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. Nobody agrees about Islam. Nobody agrees about Christianity. Everybody agrees about Judaism. There's no question in any of the religions about the validity of Judaism. Oh, but they say, but you lost your privilege because you're 
You've distanced yourself from the, from God, and now He chose us. There's no proof to that, but that's what makes them feel good. We have to know that emuna is a living organism. Emuna is not something like kindness, but it just happens to be it's one of the traits. And it's a very fundamental trait because just like, I mean, all the traits are fundamental. Kindness is also a trait that you can learn and then slack off on it after a week. It's not as strong as it was. And then the week later, it's even even weaker. And emuna needs to be reinforced every single day. You know why? Because of nature. Nature. We fall into a pattern of everything is just nature. It just is. It just is. And we and we lose the relationship and connection with Hashem's hand being involved in every single thing that goes on in our lives. We have to pronounce every day that we love Hashem and that He loves us. Hashem loves you. You know why He loves you? You know why Hashem loves you? Because He put you here. If He didn't love you, He wouldn't create you. Because there's a beautiful saying I heard. God created you because he thought the world couldn't exist without you. And that's true. You know how we know that's true. We say it every single morning in our prayers. We say, I thank you, Hashem, my living king. That you restored my soul within me. Rabbi Munatecha. Great is your belief in me. You know why Hashem gave you your soul this morning? You know why He gave it to you? Because He believes in you. You may have woken up this morning saying, Oh, I'm so tired. I just want to go back to sleep. There's nothing good that's going to come out of today because I'm just tired. I'm not feeling well. I'm a, and we have all the excuses in the book. But you know who didn't think that way? God. God. Reinvested you, Rabbi Muratecha. Your faith in me is so great. You said, Ah, another day, let's go. You can make it happen. So I want to leave off with one more thing. We have a concept in the Torah called Chazaka. Chazaka means a a set a set precedence. I wouldn't say precedence, but a set it's locked in. Okay, I'll give you an example. If an animal gores more than three times, so Rabbi Brody said this on Shabbos, so beautiful. If an animal gores twice, it's still not locked in that it's a goring animal. But once it gores three times, it's locked in that this is the way in which this animal will behave. And therefore, the penalty for the owner for being negligent and allowing his animal to go gore people is more severe. There's something about it's locked in. It's sort of, this is the, you see that this is the MO. This is how they operate. What's Hashem's status? We see that Hashem takes care of us today. We see that Hashem takes care of us yesterday. We see that Hashem, it doesn't at some point get locked in that Hashem is just consistent and he's good for his money. He's good. He's got us covered. All of creation. Have you ever been hungry one day? Have you ever been hungry one day of your life that you're like, I just, I don't have enough food to eat? No, we have fear 
that either it's put on by television or by all of these, you have to have 20 years of food locked in your, in your, in your pantry, right? Because we're doomsday or, you know, have a bunker. That, that's just fear that, but have you ever missed a meal in your life? The only time that you do that is when you yourself choose to on your Kippur or another fast day. That's the only time. Otherwise, doesn't Hashem have a track record of being good for his money? Being good for his word? Being good for taking care of you? But yet, somehow, the Yetzahara is constantly battling us and struggling with us, not allowing us to just have clear, simple knowledge of Hashem. It doesn't just happen on its own. It takes a lot of hard work. So my dear friends, pull out those worksheets and let's evaluate where we're holding in our own emunah. How much do we live this principle of knowing that Hashem is involved in our lives every single day? And let's figure out how we solidify this. How do we work on our emunah to bring it not from a concept, but bringing it to a knowledge that is firm, that is clear, so that we can every day reaffirm it and re-strengthen it more and more and more into our lives so that we never have a single moment of doubt and or. By the way, it's free will. A person can choose. The Torah, we're going to read this soon in Deuteronomy in a couple months. We're going to read. See, I place before you life and death, good and bad. And what's the editor's note? God. I recommend you choose life. Choose good. It's your choice. If someone says here at the end of class, Rabbi, thank you very much. Uh, meaningless class. I appreciate it. Thank you for the effort. I don't believe in God and leave me alone. That's your choice. That's fine. But if someone wants to live a worry-free life, like we say every morning, we say in the Adon Olam, Hashem li lo ira. When I know that Hashem is with me, I have no fear, no anxiety, no pain, no worries, no, no nothing to worry about. Hashem li lo ira. And the more we're able to instill that knowledge every day that Hashem is li, Hashem is there with me, we'll never have to worry a day in our lives. My dear friends, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for listening. Have a marvelous amazing week ahead. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.